another edition of the Fish Podcast. My name is Corey Long here with Charles Fishbine. How you doing, Fish? Doing good. Been a while. Yeah, I know. It's been a, been a few weeks now. We were not joined by our buddy Demo as he's out filming. Uh, he's like he's he's becoming a new rap. He's making cameos and rap videos everywhere. Superstar. Uh, a boogie with the hoodie. His new video hit different. If you look at two minutes and 54 seconds in, you will see our buddy, Chris Demaris, Coach Nemo. That's what he's doing these days. You know, he ain't coaching no more. He's out, he's out like being like, he's out part of like, he's he's getting roles in, in music videos. That's just good money. You know? good. Oh, man. He's, he's gone a different route, man. He Here's got the off thing, the- though. If you, if you had a, if you had a like, a boogie with the hoodie is a, is a big dude. Like he's like he's legit. Like you know he's been out there. So like if you if you coach your college ball and you recruiting, like that's got to be one of your biggest. Like hey, hey, who else is in a boogie with the hoodie video? Like you know like like that like that, that's gonna get you a lot of love out on out on the trail, you know. So eh. we gonna have to talk about it next time. I gotta figure out how. Apparently him and the boogie go back a long ways, but I have to figure he's out got a lot of. Oddball friends. So not <laughs> he's a, uh, you know, he's a New York. You know, New York. You live, you live in New York, New Jersey for a number of years. You do have a lot of different. You you run around a lot of different circles. No doubt, no doubt. Exactly. Ah oh, man, I'm gonna see. Let's see where do we start. I want to start with Pam because you was at um uh you you were at the Under Armour camp. It's about a month ago now. Was it down in uh down in Miami? Couple weeks ago, I don't know if it was ago. a month ago, but yeah, it's it was. Yeah, it was a couple. Weeks. I think I was like Denver when we when I when I sent you the um I sent you the roster and told you uh you know I gave you the uh got you the credentials. So yeah, it was uh what like this is kind of like the first camp season fully post COVID. I know there was some stuff happening last year. It wasn't happening like it's happening this year. Uh, did it kind of feel like old times again? Yeah, I, I was being told where to stand and not to get involved too much. So, you know, I was right <laughs> back. Yeah, I almost got thrown out, but, you know, that's me, oh, as usual. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, you know, it's crazy. They used to do all these camps at the Dolphins facility, and, and you'd see, like, 300 kids out there now. It's pared down real heavily. and um, There was a lot of good linemen. Uh, it's always good to see those kids. And then uh, you just, until you see someone that plays on the old line or D line in person, it's really hard to evaluate. You know, you could see stuff on film, but you want to really see how they compete um, at a high level. And there was a lot of top end, uh, especially offense alignment. There was probably five or six kids that are going to be, you know, recruited by everybody in the country. Uh, I thought overall uh, the running back room was great. You had the running back, uh, from Fort Myers, who's the number one running back in the probably country. I mean, the kid looked like a grown man out there. But overall, it's a great thing to get back out to. And, and, you know, I mean, Under Armour does do a very good job of keeping it organized. I like how they bring the certain groups in. They don't have everybody coming at once. I've always said that's the way to go. Have yeah. O-linemen, D-linemen, bring in the running backs, bring in the skill. Like, having – it gives you more of a chance to really evaluate the players – then to just try to figure out, all right, should I run over to the running back group? Should I run over to this group? Now they keep it separate. Um, the guys all get their reps. They get their exposure. 
and that group's done and the next group comes in. And, and that's what I like about the Under Armour Combine. They do a very good job of, you know, keeping it, the flow going and, and you get to evaluate a lot of players because they don't do it all at one time. The one, um, I mean, I, I love, I love, you know, I don't know if Nike does their camps anymore. Like I said, I've loved Under Armour camps for a long time. Um, the one thing I guess I don't, I never was able to get at these camps and I was curious, like you might get 10 like underclassmen, but you know, if that many, were there any like big time soft, you know, 24, 24? This was all seniors. This was all strictly seniors. I don't remember seeing any underclassmen out, out there. Um, you know, it's basically become a way for them to get these kids in their game. I understand it, uh, but I didn't see underclassmen out there. There could have been, but from what I remember, most of them were seniors going, you know, going always, to be into their senior years. Yeah. Yeah. And I always liked the idea of them having, you know, a good handful of really top end underclassmen so you can kind of get a, early look at them but you know again everything's still a year behind so i don't know how um you know i, I don't know how how, how it's, it's difficult is. because you know the place they they went to and did it at ives estates and there's one field there so there's not a lot of whole room for them to really run guys and you know i think you got to limit how many guys you have come out if you did an underclass and thing they probably would have to do either a second day or do it in the afternoon uh separate because it just you know, when they used to do it at the Dolphin facility, you had all those fields outside and then you had the bubble and you, you could run, you know, three, four, five hundred kids out there. Yeah. And that's what Nike did. Nike, I don't think, does their event anymore because it used to be done through student sports. And right now, I think it's just Under Armour has their event. And then, you know, mainly seven on sevens, the, the camp setting has gone away. I, you know, I wouldn't mind uh, getting back into it and doing something a little different than what we see. I, I, I still think the padded camps could really be good in the summertime or, um, and the filming, but these kids need more exposure than they're getting, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely tough. If um, like, I'm looking up right now, the opening website, so there's nothing really on, um, there's nothing from 20, it, it, everything they've done is pretty much from last year. So I don't know what they're doing, if they're doing anything. Uh, I can't I can't remember the guy's name right off the top of my head who handles that. If so, I'm going to – I mean, I will remember it later, and I'll probably try to contact him and see what's up. But I'm, I'm with you. I mean, we used to have – you know, you'd have your Under Armour events. You had your Nike. Um, they had both – they had two cars. They had, like, both a camp. And they also just had that uh, – like, that testing thing that they used to do that, that spark thing where you end up where you know kids have these crazy everyone oh my god this guy's a great spark time well yeah he's five foot four and 138 pounds but yeah his spark rating is like 270 <laughs> i just uh, i thought the whole spark thing that it was great for the kids that uh, i remember one year one kid was uh you know he finished like top five in the spark rating and the kid had bowling green and some of these uh, Mac schools and his dad, you know, the kid, I'm like, listen, you may want to take one of those. He's like, well, I can do better. You know, I finished top five at spark. I was one of the top players there. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. I, I really think you should take one of those offers. I told the parents, I said, listen, if something better comes along, you could always go and grab that offer. Well, you know, signing day comes and goes and 
the kid decided not to take uh, the offer. And I think we discussed this with Don Brown. Don Brown was at UMass at the time. So he came down. He, they were a one double A program at that point. And Don Brown thought he was going to get a division one kid. And the kid goes, Oh, well, I'm better than UMass and I'm better than this, blah, blah, blah. blah. And he ended up going division two, the kid at the end of the day, Northern Michigan, after everything, if he had just taken my advice, he would have had a bowling green offer. He worked his way down all the way down to D2 because of the whole spark rating and him and his father thought that meant more than anything to finish in the top five at the Miami night camp, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't, and that's always been a thing. A lot of parents I know would play. I, I never, I never went to a spark camp. I went to some Nike camps. I went to Under Armour camps. The rivals had their thing. I never made the rivals thing, but they had a thing working for a while. But I never went to a spark camp. From what I gather, it's like, what's it like? Like football? Like come out like American? No, Ninja no they, they would throw. Of- they would throw like medicine balls. Like they'd sit on their butt and throw like a medicine ball over the head to see how far they could throw it was all things that they thought were important to football i honestly i just i i think it just sounds great and um at the end of the day you want to see these kids perform them throwing a medicine ball 50 yards isn't really gonna matter i i i've never seen it on a football field so i really don't know how it impacted it but it sounded great and nike came up with this whole thing of this was a way to do it. And, you know, everybody has their ways, Corey. We know that it all seems oh, great, yeah. but uh, it usually made kids feel really good. That weren't that good of players. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just, I just never really, I never really understood the purpose of it, but you know, I mean, and I mean, they weren't, they didn't, if I remember, they didn't even charge kids for it. So I don't know if it was necessarily even a oh, monetary thing for They them. had like, a th- they would have yeah. a thousand kids out there. And you couldn't talk to them. You couldn't deal with them. It just, it was a really weird situation, the whole camp setting. Um, uh, like I said, I, I never understood what the purpose of it was because they wouldn't, let, they wouldn't let the media really talk to the kids. There was a ton of kids out there. It, it wasn't, it was just, it was scattered all over the place. Like I said, Under Armour did a very good job the other day. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, what they did was I, I like that type of setting where you kind of we've we kind of took that um idea originally when we did ours is just get the kids in get them out make sure they're not sitting around too long because yeah. you if you get a good 45 minutes to an hour out of a group that's about all you're going to get once you start to get into these things and we saw it a long time ago uh, with the company I work for they would do these eight nine ten hour combines oh. and, and and kids just they they're they're complaining the parents are complaining and it's just i've learned that you have an attention span with these players get them in get them out make sure they don't get hurt get the information you need and goodbye you know and that and that's what under armor did and it was very effective and i honestly that's the way to go if you're going to do these things and, and you remember uh i think the first camp that that i was kind of like with that group that used to work with that I was part of that I remember was did it at uh, Coconut Creek, uh, North Broward Prep, and this would have been probably 2012. Yeah, we had, we had a two-day like event and two uh, event. tremendous. I mean, who's who a talent? If we could ever I mean, find EJ, that. EJ Manuel, Star Jackson, Patrick yeah, Peterson, actually, yeah. Janoris Jenkins, um, Jenkins. Uh, Gio Bernard, James White, uh, um, Eduardo Clements. I mean. We basically had all the top players 
like I said, EJ Manuel came down to visit oh, Virginia. Miami from yeah. Virginia. He was at our combine. That's how Florida State found out about him. You know, yeah. um, you know, at, at that time they were like, you know, they asked me who looked good. I said to uh, Jimbo and the crew, it, he was our offensive coordinator, I believe, at the time. And I said, you know, this kid EJ Manuel, he likes at the he really wanted to go to Miami, EJ Manuel. Um, I just don't think he felt like uh, what they were doing offensively was a fit for his skill set. I think they had Patrick Nix as their um, offensive coordinator. And Florida had a quarterback already committed. I don't know if that, it was Brantley or one of these top kids. Maybe it was Tebow. I can't I can't even remember that. No, far it back. was Brantley. If it was yeah. oh no, it might not even been Brantley. It was um um shoot i don't remember yeah they had a quarterback they had a quarterback committed and it just wasn't a right fit he wanted to play in the state of florida so florida state was the last one jimbo went up to see him that spring and he liked him and he committed and that that's how they ended up with him it was kind of by default yeah, because he would have might have newton committed yeah they had somebody already committed yeah um and like I said, Miami really, that's where EJ really wanted to go. He, that's why he came down to our camp is because he was going to do the double of coming to our camp. Um, he went to Miami on Saturday and came to our camp on Sunday. Uh, and that's how we got to see him in person. And he put on a big time performance at the event. Uh, at the time there was Star Jackson. I think um, even Ja'Cory Harris was out there some of the top quarterbacks in South Florida that were around at that time were at the event and EJ stood out and had a great performance. And I thought it was one of the best camps combines we ever had. I mean, like I said, Patrick Peterson put on a show, I think he had a 40 something inch vert, uh, one of the top performances. And that's when Janoris really stood out. I remember going to the Rutgers camp that summer and Janoris Jenkins was at the Rutgers camp and the cornerback coach was like fan fish this is the best DB I've ever seen. I go, well, there's one better down in South Florida right now. And he goes, well, that kid's going to play in the NFL. And it was Patrick Peterson <laughs> at the time to think that those two kids came out in the same year. Same year, um, yeah. Same year to have those two guys. And Janoris was more of an athlete that had to be converted to corner. And Patrick was just an elite. I remember going to Ely games and he was just a different level type player. Uh, ended up a pro bowler and possibly a hall of fame type player in the NFL. But I mean, you're talking one of the best corners to ever come out of the state of Florida. Yeah, absolutely. And then you, uh, I, I was at that one. I went to the Jacksonville one, you know, which was just a gross ton of kids, like yeah. 600 kids there. Yeah. And we had were, Robert Marv was there. And then, yeah. you know, we went Jamie over to Harper, I remember Jamie Harper. Uh, and then we went over to Tallahassee and, and, and what was great about that, um, you know, I remember the night before the combine, we got to sit down with the Pouncy twins and, um, they were there with Chris Rainey and the, the funniest thing with Chris Rainey, he got onto the scale with his shoes on and, uh, we're like 147. He's like, Hey, listen, can you, yeah, you know, I'm really 165, 170. Can you put that on our thing? We're like, all right, whatever. He was so worried <laughs> that like it got out that he weighed like 140 pounds with shoes on and soaking wet. <laughs> that, he was, yeah, <laughs> which was about his weight until he got to college. You know, <laughs> they were able to put some pounds on. It was oh, never man. Really big shit. Um, we could talk about that stuff now that yeah. it's like 20 years later, but Chris oh. weighed about 140 pounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He weighed, yeah, I don't even know if he, yeah, was, I remember it was a really low. <laughs> I looked at the weight, I'm like, holy cow. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I weighed more than this in high school. Holy. And I, it was just, it was just funny. 
I remember we uh one of the camp that one of the first the two camps that I did with you in a Lakeland, I had brought in my whole seven on seven team, which was that which was a squad. He had like Derwin, James, and a bunch of other and we had this one kid that we loved. We call him DC. His name was Terrence Campbell, and he was like he was like our emotional leader. Like she, because he was just he was a talker. He was competitive. He was small, but he was a very good football player. Like he was a heady kid. Like 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 in an actual football game, would take on whatever he needed to do. He could block kicks. Like he was he would do whatever he needed to do. And I always said he figured out ways to help teams win games. But we put him on. We're me and me and my buddy Keith McLeod, who ran the uh, seven on seven program with me. We're looking at we're looking at the spreadsheet. <laughs> it shows him like five foot four. I think a like no maybe five foot five, about one hundred twenty four pounds. And I was like, my God, dude, DC was small. I didn't even know he had crushed a buck thirty. Didn't It was a senior. I got, to this day, I always say to keep the fact that we got up into AI school has to be one of our greatest accomplishments. Oh, yeah. Like, literally, on his. I think the kid was from George punk. Jenkins or something. I he, think was he, was a... hot kid. he was a Lakeland Hot Kid. He was Lakeland Hot Kid, actually. Yeah. Right. And uh, his, on his best day, he might have been a buck 35. But that wasn't his best day. Like, I'm like, oh, this kid's tiny. Um, Crazy. Oh my God, it was, it was crazy. The one thing I loved about our camps is that we were always media friendly. Like it was, that was, that was, a, we, we did numbers in. No, we let everybody, we, we let, let everybody, everybody come, in. talk to anybody, grab like, them out of the line. I don't care. Like, because at the end of the day, that's kind of the objective is for people to I, talk to it's, you. It's the whole thing that I think that's wrong with these events. And, and if there's people out there that listen that do these seven on sevens, I really think you should have these teams come in. If you have 40 teams, have the first 10 teams come in, let the media talk to them, take their pictures, and then put them in their bracket that they're going to play in, and then bring in the second group of 10 and let them talk to the media. Because what else is the, are these events for? If these kids don't get exposure, really at the end of the day, it's a money grab and you're not really helping these players out. I, and listen, I, I understand you want to make your money, but these kids, a lot of them, and it's not, everybody knows who the top rated kids are, but how many times have we seen guys and that came to one of these events and, and we've told schools about them and they go to a group of five school and end up an all conference player and they end up in the NFL. And, and these guys that cover these events never went up to them, never looked at them, never scouted them because they weren't a five-star or four-star kid. And that's, what's wrong with the whole, camp setting is that we always made sure every kid got exposure it didn't matter if it was d d1 or all the way down to nai and we we always talked about that at our camp hey listen if you if you come to our event you're going to get exposure even if you're the best player there or the worst player there you will get exposure your stuff will get out there the colleges will get a look at it and we don't i mean we never made promises hey you come to our event you'll get a scholarship hey you work with ess You'll get a scholarship. All we ever said was, is you'll get exposure. And that's yeah. all you need is all you needed was one school to say, Hey, you know what? Yes. And I remember, like I said, there was one kid from George Jenkins that did really well at our camp. Um, uh, oh, uh, big, yeah. big tall, uh, 
uh, defensive end that ended up. No, no, no. Two? We had a oh. skill kid. He was a skill kid. Okay. And, and Timmy got him to like a one double A program. And I remember the kid was ecstatic. He came to our events in South Florida. The one he went to every single one. He was a, a lake, you know, lake. Um, he was a George Jenkins kid. Okay. Uh, skill kid, super fast. I think he ran like a four four. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't think uh, he was like name, five yeah. eight, 160 pounds, soaking wet. But great kid came to our event, got a lot of exposure, and and that kid would have never gotten anything because at that time, as you knew, George Jenkins wasn't. I mean, I remember when I met you. I think George Jenkins went like zero and ten, and this kid was on one of those teams. Yeah, and it bad. made a yeah, yeah. It, it made a big difference. Yeah, it was a program that wasn't very good. He had a very good athlete there. And, you know, for reasons, he stayed there and didn't go transferring like a lot of other kids. And, uh, and yeah, he ended up – yeah, I know exactly. I can't, I can't think of his name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and I remember he was – like, he was a real twitchy kid. He was a little yeah. nervous, nervous at times. But, yeah, he was a real nice kid, real good athlete. And I, that, to me, is the beauty of the camp is, you know, when, I, when, when we go to these – when we put together – these camps you're putting it together we know we got you know you got to get big names out there because big names attract you know the websites and that's going to get people out there that gets you know the camp coverage so you know you got to have some kids out there that are on a top level but really you know the beauty of the camp was always getting that that next tier and that tier below that that fcs to kind of g5 kids getting them out there you know because some of them had offers you know, they might only have one or two offers, and this was a chance for somebody else to see them that wasn't us, that, you know, wow, this kid looks bigger than you think, you know. And, you know, phone calls could be made, you know. Yep. Uh, you I know, mean, we, and, we, put, we, two, we put two Robinson kids on the radar um, yeah. at the time, and I, I remember that wasn't a school that produced a lot of players or um, kids from Blake came out. I, I remember doing the camp at Armwood and how many, you know, Nelson Aguilar was going against Vernon Hargraves and, but if you oh, go yeah. back and look at that footage, there was a lot of other very talented kids that um, went off to schools, whether it was the Kansas States or the Iowa States of the world, yeah. ended up having very good careers. And you know, we we would have a lot of top end kids come to our events, and you know it was a lot of fun, a lot of work. You know, I mean, you know that uh, to get those events put together, we don't have the uh, staff that uh, Under Armour and Nike have and we did 99% of the work ourselves and it was always the night before hey are we going to get the numbers are we going to get I remember hanging out with you in the lobby of that hotel and you (laughs) you were sweating you were sweating you remember we had a you're like oh man I don't want to let this down we saw two kids in the lobby and we're just like whenever you see two kids like you know teenagers like hey what are y'all here for we're going to go to some camp tomorrow. And there were kids from Coco that had Johnny Wilkinson had sent us. And you're like, oh, okay, at least we know we got two showing up tomorrow. <laughs> and your phone, your phone that last week, your phone rings so much. Because oh. everybody's like, well, because everybody has questions. It's like, oh, you know, what time does it start? Where is it at? How much is it? And, you know, the good thing is we, you know, both of the ones that we did, uh, and Lakeland turned out to be really successful. Um, and it was a lot of fun. You know, they were a lot yeah. of fun. And the people, those communities, you know, the community really appreciated, you know, having that attention, having that thing out there that day. That was a, the first one was, I was still working at ESPN, so I had a little bit of a, had a little bit more of a name pull <laughs> to get some people out. And I, 
it, the funny thing was because um, of the time period that it was in and there was some Under Armour stuff that they were supposed to beat it like even Dion who was did Under Armour game and yeah you know he had gone through Under Armour game well Craig Harbour who worked with me at ESPN was going out and it's like I'm gonna go check out Corey's camp at Lake Gibson he's gonna have like 200 something kids there maybe some will be good and like and Hobart tells me like like three nights before he's like yeah Dion might be riding up with me today I'm like Dion Sanders at ESS camp well you know Jesus I don't want to say anything because I'm like well God if the show if he if if we advertise him there's gonna be a thousand people there and if he doesn't show up it's gonna be just a, a madhouse if we don't advertise him, he shows up. It's cool because at least kids got a surprise, and that's something you can carry on in the future. Sadly, he didn't show up. Hobbert said he got caught up doing some other stuff. Didn't matter. It was it was good times, and camps in general are fun. And I'm excited about camp season. I'm curious. Uh, you don't hear about a lot of. There's not a lot of us around. So there's not a lot of just people throwing on camps anymore, are there? It's just no. I think most people figure it out. No matter how. You oh, this is money. We'll make a ton of money. And once oh, no. you, once you pay nothing. the, once you pay the coaches, once you buy the shirts, once you buy the, this yeah. and that, it's like, all right, man, I made like 300 bucks and I, I spent about five grand to get that 300 bucks. So, I mean, it's just, people <laughs> don't realize it's not everybody. I did an event with always thought, oh man, we're going to make a ton of money. And I'm like, man, the only time we ever made a ton of money is we did this, um, arena bowl combine with my former former company and they charged like 250 to sign up and if you signed up the day of it was like four or five hundred bucks and the company made like 60 grand that day but i i always said that's like the only route to go is go that route yeah uh, but um i mean we just our- fun i think you know i wouldn't mind putting something on again i i think it could work it's just you'd have to find the right spot i think down here it's tough because the coaches and everybody it it's it's just so saturated but i do think if you pick the right place in the state you could have a good little event yeah the right place you need that support you know that's the thing you need that local community support you know it's not just like you know what worked for i guess it worked for me i had my seven on seven team uh woodrow grady had team tampa a bunch of those kids came we had like a deal with Gibbs High School, like a deal with different, like I'm a big Gerald Dickens had this Plant City group, like you know, so a bunch. Like I remember Lake Wales had a bunch of kids because you went up and saw the coach and like he, like and you know, you, you start, you know, you start piecing it together like that, and all of a sudden you got 250, 300 kids because you've gotten in little sections of kids, and you know that, that can make up, you know, maybe more than half that number, and you sort of piecemeal and everything else, but it's hard. It's hard. Ain't not easy about it. Yeah. And I mean, we, we, you know, we kept the cost low. I think we charged like 25 bucks, maybe 40 on a day of signing because you, you, you want like numbers is what makes it work for you. Like money, mm-hmm. make, whether you make money, what you don't want to lose money, but you absolutely need numbers. If you don't have numbers, it's a waste of time. No, nah, there's you know? no doubt. You need the numbers. You had to have over, you know, 150 just to break even. So, yeah. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk some NFL combine. And Jordan Davis, we're going to check to see if he is humanly allowed, if he is legal on earth after uh, being a 340-pound man to run a, a 478. 
Uh, we'll be right back in one second with more of the Fish Cast. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.